The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. Your dial is currently tuned into Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1. Thanks for listening. Welcome to a special episode of Eye on the Triangle. Today's episode is dedicated to the 30th anniversary of the Witherspoon Building. The Witherspoon Building is named after Augustus Witherspoon, who was the first black student to earn his MS and PhD in botany at NC State. He is also the second black student to earn his PhD in the university's history. In celebration of his legacy, I interviewed the leaders and former leaders of some of the major departments in the Witherspoon Building, which are military and veteran services, the African American Culture Center, and student media about their individual departments and his legacy at NC State. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My first interview is with the amazing, absolutely amazing Mama Tony Thorpe. During our interview, we spoke about her time as the program director at the African American Culture Center and her experience at NC State. Thank you so much, Mama Thorpe, for coming to WKNC, for letting me interview you. I'm excited and honored to be here with you. I'm, an, I'm honored to be with you as well. Thank you. <laughs> so my first question for you is, what was your role in the African American Culture Center and what did your job require you to do? Okay. My job was program coordinator and my responsibility was to create and create for the cultural center and for the university in certain situations and with partners in the community, programs that promoted awareness of and appreciation for the African and African-American culture and diaspora through workshops, community engagement, lectures, and mentorship. I also advised student organizations as part of that role. Okay. So you came to the African American Cultural Center in 2001, I believe. It was either the end of 2001 or the beginning of 2002. I can't okay. remember. <laughs> so that was, you, yeah, yes. so that was before I was born. I was born in 2003. <laughs> so <laughs> I found that interesting because you were there from 2001 to roughly 2002. From then mm -hmm. to 2017, I believe you said. That is over like 15 years. That is a very long time to be in that position. And I wanted to know that throughout that position, you've probably seen so many changes in NC State because it's 15 years. Like there has to be some things that have changed. So I want to know how did the African-American Cultural Center and NC State change during the time that you were there? Wow. <laughs> well, the Cultural Center changed consistently. I think I had about 10 different directors. The average term was about two years. So when leadership changes, you know, uh, priorities change, even though the mission is consist stays consistent, ways of doing things can vary. Also, <clears throat> I think that 
the world, as the world changes, the university changes. And as students, come, every four years, the energy changes. So some years you would have students that, and well, first of all too, um, you know, we're not a monolithic people. So you can't say all of any group acts a certain way. So some years you would have, it appeared to, if you want to generalize that you'd have students that came in with a more uh, active voice, you know, I, I, well, I, and I would go by different um, slang terminology. Some students said, okay, we come in, we lit. <laughs> and some students will come and say, okay, I'm a change agent. Some students would say, I am going to be the next president. Uh, you know, so there was just different energy. And then you have the different energies in different majors. You know, you have your design students that are going to just paint a new awareness. And then you have the engineers that are going to design a new um, answer. And then you have the, so it just changes constant. One of, I find that based on what's going on in the political um, United States often has an impact on the response from the student population. So you've seen, um it change when Obama was there? Oh, yes. And then oh, you've seen it change God. when Trump was there, like towards the well, end, I guess. Okay, so let's talk about um, the brilliant, magnificent President Obama, Barack <laughs> Obama. So I, one of my most memorable moments was we held a watch party. And so we had just a room full of students in the Washington Sankofa room. And we were watching the votes come in. And sitting with me was a, a statistics student. It was just incredible. And she, every time a state would come in, she'd say, okay, Mama Thorpe, uh, based on this, this, this is what could happen. And she was just rattling off the possibilities. Well, when it got to looking like he was actually going to win. And I hope I don't start crying right now all over again. <laughs> I felt like I was beginning to live a new life. And when he won, the whole room just exploded with love and energy and joy. And then the, most of the students that were in the room were African-American. Then this huge wave of students came in that were not African-American. So for a split second, everyone froze. And then they came in and they were like, yeah, isn't it great? Isn't it? So then we had another explosion. Then the students ran to rush the bell tower. It was just magnificent. I, I was up all night. <laughs> so the plan was the next day, everyone was gonna meet at the um, free expression tunnel. And then Dr. Tracy Ray called me that morning and told me what was written on the wall. I felt like I had been broken. I, the message on the wall was, 
one of it was shoot that in in the head. Oh, wow. And it was just all kinds of graffiti. And I am speechless. When, when I used to tell this story on the red, white, and black wall, it just sucked the life away mm -hmm. for a moment. But then the students came together whew, and painted the wall over and well, that's that's a story for another time. But <laughs> so you talked about um, Sankofa, which is a part of the African-American Cultural Center, and that yes. is also housed in Witherspoon. Now, we know that um, Witherspoon is the first building to be named after a Black person. So could you please just talk about like the importance of that, of like having worked in a place where you know the building was named after the first Black, no, it was named after the first Black man to get a PhD at NC State. Yes, well, just the importance of Dr. Witherspoon and Dr. Clark is a whole nother uh, interview, along with the joy of having the um, Irwin Holmes building right across the street. That was one thing I wish that had happened before I retired, <laughs> because I just think that is incredible. But the significance is seen in the story of Sankofa, even though the one I, I tell, as you, I'm sure you know, is not, it's a derivative of the Sankofa story that our ancestors told. And I did Americanize it for our audiences, African-Americanize it. However, the importance is that history that isn't seen or told is forgotten sometimes. So the significance of the building having a name and housing, having a deliberate place to house the history and the culture is significant. When, especially the fact, when you look at the programming, well, let me say this, it's, well, the fact that the building was also designed by the NC State graduate that designed the Smithsonian, the African-American Smithsonian is incredible as well. However, it's what goes on in the building. It's not just the fact that the building is there and named after Dr. Witherspoon, it's the power of the programming and the energy inside the building that will keep its significance. And that's what's important. And that's what I was honored to be a part of programming that empowered the students. And when we talk, that was one of the things that I loved about symposium every year. It was like a huge family reunion, meeting the new students and seeing the seniors mentor the freshmen and, you know, I know I've been to, I don't know how many weddings of students that met at symposium. And it's just a remarkable um, power to see that kind of commitment to one another, to walk down when I was there, when you walk past someone and you saw your reflection, you spoke, you know, you, that was, that was just so powerful that you knew there were structures and systems set up 
So you already had going to class a big sister or a big brother that was not going to let you fall. Wow. So that, that and, and seeing programs develop and the people that came through there, I started making a list. I mean, the fact that Angela Davis and Lonnie Gineer and Janetta Cole and Patricia Bath, who had created the laser phacophobe, that, to have all these people, not to mention Dr. Clark and Dr. Witherspoon, well, I'm not even going to start calling names because <laughs> it's just so massive, but, you know, Joe Holt, our community, when we had Blacks and Wax, we had so many children in the building that we had to create time slots and they were waiting from outside. Students coming to visit from the continent, you know, coming to, to Witherspoon was just amazing. Oh, wow. So that was just some of the few things, but we'll talk about programs later. It has been an amazing pleasure interviewing you. I have loved every bit of it. And so thank you so much for coming. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. And I look forward to us connecting again real soon. In my second interview, I had the pleasure of interviewing Angela Gay Audrey. Angela is currently the director of the African American Culture Center, and we spoke about what the African American Culture Center is and the impact of Dr. Witherspoon's legacy. Thank you, Director Angela Gay Audrey, for being with me here today so I could interview you. Thank you for having me. So my first question is, what is your role in the African American Culture Center, and what does your role require you to do? That's a good question, Jeannie. <laughs> um, so my name is Angela Gay Audrey. I am the director of the Culture Center. You can just call me Angela. You don't got to put a director in the front of that. Um, and as director, my role is to, to lead, to vision, to think towards the future, to bring people with me, um, to help people dream a little bit more about the ways that Blackness can show up on our historically and predominantly white campus, to restore sometimes, to even come back to tradition. Um, your interview is about the Witherspoon Building and the Witherspoon Building, and this history is closely tied to the Cultural Center, it's closely tied to the Nubian message, it's closely tied to Black folks um, who are the past and present and also future of NC State. Um, we're here. So my role as a director is to help us get to a place where we can actually be inclusive, not just diverse, right? And not just say, oh yeah, we got Black folks here. Uh, we have Latina Keys folks here. Um, but to actually be inclusive of what that means and to expand that so that every space on this campus is a space where Black folks can feel valid and validated and honored, uh, where they can see their traditions, um, where they can see growth and expansion, where they can actually come to college, persist and graduate and have positive post-college outcomes. Um, and that work looks small and it also looks big. The big piece is the visioning, it's the strategic planning, it's bringing the right people and the right players in the right place to do the things that need to be done. Um, so 
we can be who we are um, authentically. But the small pieces is programming. It is um, events. It is creating a community, creating a culture. It is restoring a legacy, uh, like the legacy of Dr. Witherspoon, the legacy of Dr. Clark. Um, it is bringing forward the traditions that we sometimes have lost because sometimes we don't even know our cultural roots and bringing those to the forefront and pro providing alternative ways of knowing and being um, that is still rooted in Blackness. Um, it is also the midpoint things like support, is connection, is advocacy, is helping students find themselves, is helping students find other people who can help them, who can move them through this trajectory of life as they're developing um, their fullest selves. It's also helping faculty and staff be retained because our Black faculty and staff also struggle. Um, it is truly expansion work. And so that's what my work looks like every day. It's the small, tiny little things that sitting in meetings. Um, it is also myself being a Black femme, also feeling invalidated sometimes and having to advocate for myself so that I can continue to advocate for others, so I can continue to be an accomplice alongside others so that we can create something better. Could you please talk about exactly like what is the African-American Culture Center? Like, is it like a space where people just like gather to have conversation? Like, is it a space where people, students could just go in and just like do homework? Like, what is it? It's all of that, Jeannie. It's all of that and some. It's whatever you want it to be. Um, also, we get students who are who are just sitting in there watching TV. We get students who are just there to be in community with other Black folks. We get students who are doing homework. We have study rooms along our hallway. Um, we have tables for studying out in the living room space. We have a library on the second floor that's a research library. We have a meditation room on the back side of that library. We take up a third of the building from the first to the third floor. Um, and that when we have that much space, there's so many possibilities of what we can do with it. We have a gallery right beside our library. Um, things that people don't even know about that exist in the Witherspoon building. Um, um, and if that's what you're looking for, you can get that too. If you just want, if you're an introvert like me and you just want to see your people, um, because maybe it's been a long day and you're the only one in a, in a classroom of a whole lot of folks that don't look like you and you just need to see someone, um, that reminds you and grounds you if that's your vibe, um, it's all of those things. It's also a space where we do programs. So we host programs, we host events. Um, programs are things that have learning outcomes. So if there's something you're trying to learn um, about yourself, if you need to get connected to resources, you can do that through us as well. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. It's what your imagination allows you to do. I love that so much. <laughs> so we were talking about the um, opportunities that um, and events that offer at the student at the center. So mm -hmm. I wanted to know, like, what are some like specific opportunities or like specific events that like the center hosts for students? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll start with the most popular one that every almost everyone knows. Students who don't even go here yet know about what's on the table. So what's on the table conversations um, are one of those things. They happen bi-weekly on Fridays, hosted by our IA ambassadors, and that happens in our 356 space. Um, upcoming, we have a keynote with Dr. Brittany Cooper. This is our 30th year. Um, and in that 30th year celebration of home and space, we invited Dr. Cooper to come and talk about how she uses Black feminism to create space for herself and for other people every single day. Um, she just put out a new book that's real dope and it's about young 
young Black folks, um, women and femmes, seeing themselves through this Black feminist perspective of time is, is real cool. Um, we are also doing Harambe. So Harambe is our Witherspoon block party. So Harambe means we are all uniting. We are all coming together. So that's what we're doing. We're calling everybody, everybody who put a diversity statement out in the past two years. <laughs> we want you to be there, come together, pull together for Black folks, right? Let's create a Black experience on this campus in a way that our students can feel seen, can feel valid, can feel heard. Um, um, let's actually pull together physically in many different ways. And so that'd be cool. Um, we also have things like um, workshops. We have um, intergenerational conversations. You'll see at least two of those in our spring semester. We have exhibit opens. We have an exhibit that's open right now called Sankofa. We'll have another exhibit that's an alumni focused exhibit. Um, that will open uh, actually in a few weeks. To, it gets installed on the 21st, so it'll open on the 25th of October, and it's called Karuti Nayambani. Um, there are just so many things. We, I have the blessedness of working with the incredibly talented and intelligent and thoughtful, um, beautifully Black team of people. Um, who are every day thinking of new ideas. Our Black History Month is about to be real lit. Um, <laughs> we're already planning for MLK. Um, yeah, it's just, it's always something beautiful being created in our space. We're always in partnership with other campus partners, whether they're in the campus community center, academic departments. Um, yeah, there's so many different ways to experience our work. I wanted to know what has been your favorite memory in the Witherspoon building so far? When I was in the Women's Center, I used to, um, I started hosting exhibits. I started curating exhibits, to be more specific. Um, and it started, I think, ArtsNC State was bringing a group that focused on Black hair. Um, and I was just like, how dope would it be if we had an exhibit that talked about the politics of Black hair? Um, in a full, robust way. And so I curated an exhibit and it was amazing, but that wasn't even my favorite one. My favorite one was the last one I did because it was Afrofuturistic um, perspective. That's, that was the grounding theory. And um, what I realized during the process of creating and curating that exhibit is how difficult it had become for Black folks to see themselves free. And through the process of creating and curating that exhibit, there were moments where I had to coach people through whatever it is that was holding them back to this sense of freedom that they could then cap get captured on camera. And when we got in that exhibit, when we got in the Cultural Center's art gallery and people walked around the room and they saw themselves on that wall, the entire room was humming. It was, a, it, I didn't expect it, Jeannie. And the only way that it was captured is the Nubian message was there and they were creating, they were reporting on it. And someone took a video around the room and in that video, I don't know if it was a video or if it was um, a Instagram story. So it was on their Instagram and you could hear people humming and on and oohing. 
at themselves and at their friends and their peers. And even there's little kids like Mama Tony Thorpe, she, Tony brought her grandkids and they were like, ooh. And the entire room was a buzz with black energy. It was amazing. <laughs> I had never felt so beautifully black and grounded and felt like I was 100% of my purpose in that moment while I had been at NC State. I've been at NC State since 2016. And that moment, that was what, 2019? Was that 2019? I think it was 2019. What was it? When the pandemic started? 2019. So I think it was 20, yeah, because the pandemic happened right after that exhibit happened. So I was so glad we were able to have that exhibit. Yes. So 2019, that was the first and probably one of the most alive, like it, Blackness was alive in that space. And it felt so right. Like to see people witness themselves, you don't often get to do that as a, as a therapist, when I, when I was practicing as a therapist, I used to see that more often. That's the first time I had seen that in that way at NC State. Um, yeah, that's it, hands down. So my last question is, what does it mean to you to have the African-American Culture Center building um, housed in the first building to be named after a Black man? Mm, I don't know a whole lot about Dr. Witherspoon, but what I have read about that man, and after having met his family, I had the opportunity to meet his family over the summer. They came, his nephew um, wanted to understand his uncle's legacy. Um, and he came to visit with us in August and seeing him and his mother and his auntie and his grandmother walk around. We had created a space, um, our library coordinator, put together a beautiful exhibit of artifacts for um, the, about Dr. Witherspoon, some of his artifacts. Um, and seeing them come into that space and just be overwhelmed with the emotion of the legacy that this man has left on their family, much less what he left on this campus, what he has done, was such a beautiful experience. Um, so while I don't know him personally, I didn't have the privilege of knowing him. His legacy is very much full and alive and I see it evoked in so many students. That's all the questions that I have for you today. Thank you so much for coming. You have been amazing and answered the questions beautifully. <laughs> interview, I spoke to the director of student media, Patrick Neal, about the purpose of his department at NC State and the significance of having his department housed in the Witherspoon building. Thank you, Mr. Patrick Neal, for um, coming to WKNC to let me interview. I'm super excited to be able to do this with you. My first question for you is, um, what is your role in student media and what does your role require you to do? I am the director of student media advising, uh, which means that um, I am over, I guess it's, I guess we're up to seven groups now. We've got technician newspaper, we've got Nubian message newspaper, uh, we've got Agrimec yearbook, 
course, we've got WKNC, our radio station. We've got Windhover, our literary magazine. We have another magazine called Roundabout that's more of a general interest magazine. And then we have the student business office, which, um, you know, they sell advertising and underwriting to support all of those groups. Um, each of the groups has their own primary advisor. And then, you know, those, I supervise those advisors and, and, and probably more on the big picture liaison with the upper administration side of the operation rather than down in the weeds, you know, the, 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 the actual nuts and bolts advising is, is done primarily by the, the, you know, the primary advisors to the group. I'm, I am, so I'm their boss. Okay. Um, what exactly is student media and what role does it play on NC State's campus? Student media is the collection of groups that allows students here at NC State to express themselves. It allows them to uh, you know, investigate and report on the world around them. We entertain our students. We inform our students. Um, we give them wonderful, wonderful opportunities to uh, hone their skills here while they're at NC State. And the, the beauty of our organizations are they're all editorially independent uh, from the university, which means that Neither I, nor the advisor, nor Randy Woodson, nor the president of the United States can tell them what to print or what not to print. Uh, so, uh, you know, that makes things exciting sometimes. But um, so we're there to, you know, to provide professional guidance to, uh, you know, all of our advisors come from, you know, come from the fields that they advise in. Uh, be that radio, newspapers, so forth. Uh, and we're here to, you know, sort of show them how it's done and, and help them do what they want to do. So um, while you were talking, you spoke about the different um, departments that are housed in like the Witherspoon building. And that's where you're also housed in the Witherspoon building. And I was wondering, um, considering it's like the 30th anniversary coming up of the Witherspoon building, what is your favorite memory in that building? You know, I think my favorite memory, it's sort of mundane, but I guess probably about five years ago, we had worked out, um, we had worked out with the student centers, which, you know, keeps up this building to do a space swap with them uh, for some office space. And uh, at that time, we were able to get the Nubian message from a not very great office to a much better office. We were able to do some uh, renovation work in uh, technician uh, that had been a long time coming. Um, that was just a that's that was just a good memory, just because um, you know groups that either didn't have an office or just had a you know a, a joke of an office. Actually, we were able to move them into better spaces and. I don't know when everybody's happy and moving up. It's it's a good feeling. So yeah, that's that's probably my favorite Witherspoon memory. No, that's a good memory for sure. Um, my next question is: So Witherspoon is named after a black man. 
and it's one mm -hmm. i think it's either the only building or one of two buildings that are named by black men on nc state's campus holmes hall uh which just gotten renamed uh within the last five years i believe is the second but yes, yes. for uh for the longest the time the weatherspoon center uh was the only building on campus named for a black man yes so i wanted to know like what does it mean to you to have student media which is your department housed in the first building to be named after a black man you know i mean i i guess it's um it's a point of extra pride for us um you know, we are on the same floor as the African American Cultural Center. We work with them a lot. We, you know, we're um, they're wonderful neighbors, and we try to be wonderful neighbors too. Um, but I don't. I I think that suits our spirit uh, here at at Student Media. Um, You know all of our publications but particularly the two newspapers have always been on the forefront of you know pushing for diversity in nc state and and that being true diversity uh not just kind of lip service diversity and you know i'm not religious or superstitious but you know i, I would think that uh from what I know of him and, and what I've read of him, I would think that Dr. Witherspoon would be proud of what we do here and, and what we look like today versus mm -hmm. what we looked like when he was teaching here. You know, things have changed a lot and, and changed, you know, I think for the better. So, you know, I, I, I do think there is, I mean, there's a symbolic significance there for sure. No, I definitely agree. Yeah, it's a yeah. I would definitely see that as a big, big honor to be housed in the absolutely. building. Yeah, absolutely. My last question is: Are there any future events or other resources you want to make our audience aware of regarding like student media, ways to get involved, or things like that? Um, you know, we are we are recruiting really heavily right now. Um, because, you know, our numbers did dip a little bit like other organizations did uh, because of COVID. Um, now, there's a lot of pent-up demand, and we've had a lot of students come back and a lot of new students join, but we're still, uh, you know, we are still welcoming anybody and everybody. And, and, you know, that is truly the case. You don't have to be of a certain major. You don't have to be of a certain uh, class. You don't have to be, you don't have to have any experience. Uh, the vast majority of students that we get here at Student Media don't come in with any prior experience. You know, I, I, I think what I would just want to make sure that people know is that we are for everybody. Um, and we welcome everybody and we want um, everybody who has even the most remote interest in the things that we do. And I think a lot of people maybe don't um, think they don't realize, you know, just sort of the range of things that we offer. Um, they normally, when people think of student media, they normally think of the newspapers, which is, I mean, which is great as far as it goes. But I mean, yes, we've got writing, editing, photography, but we've got DJs, you know, on-air talent. We've got um, people who do nothing but uh, review music. We have people who 
uh, do nothing but uh, create podcast content or online content, um, graphic designers, web designers, salespeople. Um, you know, we've got a lot. It, it's, it's for more than just people who like to write and edit and take pictures. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we are, uh, we're always looking to um, grow the number of students that we touch and grow the diversity of those students. So um, I'd love to see, we get a good smattering from across the university, but I'd love to see more of the engineering folks. You know, I'm, I think some of them shy away because engineers aren't really known for writing and so forth, but mm -hmm. I think they don't realize that there's other stuff up here that they can do and enjoy and be good at. Mm. So, um, Lord, if you had to vet school, just bring a puppy, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on up. So uh, I guess that's the main thing that I would want people to know is that we're open for everybody. And uh, you don't need any experience and there's no requirements. We will take you and meet you wherever you're at. Thank you so much for meeting with me. That's all the questions that I have for you today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and an honor to have you here. And I look forward to interviewing you. Oh, thank you for having me, Janine. So my first question is, what is your role in veteran services and what does your role require you to do? Yeah, so I'm the, I serve as the director of military and veteran services here at NC State. Uh, so in that capacity, our office is charged with providing the necessary resources, programs, and, and coordination of resources for our 2,400 military affiliated students. So we have uh, 850 uh, in that ballpark that self-identify as a veteran or a current service member. And then we have an additional 1400 plus uh, that self-identify as either a spouse or a child of a veteran. Wow. I don't think I've realized how many like military students are on campus. That is a yeah, lot. It's, it is. There are quite a few here at the state. Yeah. My next question is um, what exactly is the military and veteran, veteran services and what role does it play on NC State's campus? Yeah, so so our job, and, and we touched on, or I touched on it a little bit in the introductory, but really um, we do a lot of uh, integration of resources and connection to resources, so both campus and community. So really, our process starts with prospective students, and even before that, we we try to target those military service members and their families that haven't yet um, uh, separated from service. So it's usually a one to two years out to let them know what opportunities exist if they do in fact want to pursue higher education. Um, so my colleague Daniel and myself uh, will we'll do a lot of outreach with community colleges, military installations to start having these conversations. So really we catch them through that process as they start transitioning out of service and they, they're thinking about higher ed. Once they transition through the application process into NC State, our job is to ensure that they we have the programs in place um, really to help welcome them to the university and help kind of knock down a lot of those barriers, if you will, um, because the military population uh, it is older. Um, most of our service members do have families. They have jobs, some of them. Um, they live far distances away, so many of them are traveling here just for school, so we kind of help integrate that and get them welcomed here to NC State. Um, 
once they're here, uh, part of that is tracking them, having conversations to ensure that they persist on the graduation. And then a lot of what we do based on the fact that we are a STEM school and that our requirements are a little bit more stringent, um, that our, our students will be considered transfer students, our veterans. So a lot of them do have some college experience. So a lot of times we're not seeing the difficulties of the transition to higher ed um, as much as we are seeing what does that transition look like once we're getting ready to leave NC State and join the workforce or go into that career, uh, career field. And then lastly, um, we are very intentional about reconnecting or in our case now, keeping a connection with our alums. So once they leave NC State, we wanna make sure that they feel a connection back to what we're doing in NC State as a whole. Um, you know, in the past, it's probably been since about 2015, 2016 maybe, uh, we here at State, and this was a very common thing nationally, um, we didn't do a great job um, necessarily tracking who our veterans were. So if they didn't have a, an affiliation with ROTC, they would come through here as service members, they'd graduate and they would go on. So now we're being very intentional on how we target them through the Alumni Association to try to get them to self-identify so that we can get them a connection back here to NC State. So. So we're going to um, zoom out of the veteran military and veteran services real quick and Absolutely. talk about Witherspoon as yeah. a whole. So I want to know, what is your favorite memory in the Witherspoon building? Um, so my, I, I actually think it's probably coming up. I have a few that I'm going to talk about, okay. but uh, the Harambe event's coming up. So with it being the 30th anniversary of, of Witherspoon uh, being built, I say in 1990, I think started taking up residence, the African-American Cultural Center, I think it was in 1991-ish. Um, it's 90 or 91. Um, but what I can tell you is that that event has been a collaborative uh, collaborative venture really headed by um, Angela and her team up there in the African-American Cultural Center. Uh, so with student media and us, but it's an opportunity to celebrate not only what it means to, to have space here in, in Witherspoon. So yes, location is part of it, but understanding the history behind the building, you know, as Dr. Dr. Augustus Witherspoon Wright was the, I think he was what the second uh, African-American student to receive a PhD, but he was the first professor at NC State. Um, so there is a lot of history from this building and how it was established. Um, you know, for us being able to partner with with our campus partners here and those that we share residence with is is huge for us, especially because the military community is a very diverse community. So it would it would be a disservice for us to focus on, you know, veterans as a whole without talking about race, gender, sexual orientation, things like that. So it's something that we are proud of for sure. Um, now, in terms of favorite memories, all right, that have that have happened in the past. You know Harris Field is out here. So um, the cool thing about having Harris Field, I'm, I mean, I get to look at it every day. Um, there's always life out there. So our our centers here in the in the building uh, will. It's pretty frequent. I would say a couple times a semester. There's organized events of some some nature out there, and those are kind of my favorite. Those are my favorite memories because it brings life over to this part of campus. Aside from students just passing through. There's dedicated stuff that's going on out there. It's very intentional and it's, it just brings life. It feels vibrant over here. 
Yeah, I've walked past it a couple times because I work at WCNC. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you so? Are you up in student media? Is it upstairs on the third floor? Up here? Yeah, it's on the third floor. It's okay. like right. It's literally right next to the African American Culture Center. Yep. So it's yeah. right when you get off the elevator and the yeah. stairs right there. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. So my last question is: um, Are there any future events or other resources you want to make your audience aware of? Like any upcoming mil military and veteran service events or like any activities? Yeah. Yeah, so there are a lot of big events coming up, right? So I had mentioned the Rambe event on October 29th. So that is the first because that, again, is a celebration of our space. And, and we're proud of that and, and honored to be, you know, honored to be in this building, really. And the location is awesome for our military and veteran students. Um, so that is going to be starting, I think it's three to six o'clock on Friday, October 29th as part of Red and White Week. Um, the second event is on Veterans Day, November 11th. So at 6 a.m. in the morning, we'll be doing the 5K run in partnership with our ROTC counterparts. Uh, and then immediately following at 7 a.m., um, we will be hosting the ceremony. Um, this year, it's, it's kind of a cool event because it is it marks the 100 year anniversary to the, the lane of the first cornerstone of our bell tower. Um, and as you may know, like our bell tower is a, is a memorial to uh, the end of World War One, so Armistice Day, which falls on Veterans Day, because it is now Veterans Day, which was uh, in 1918, and that's what that monument is for. Um, so we're super excited about that. We have General uh, Lieutenant General retired uh, Dan Bolger is going to be speaking at that event. He's a history professor here, Citadel alum, uh, and has written numerous books during his time uh, during his time in service. Um, and then we're going to have Dr. Tom Stafford talking a little bit about the history of the bell tower. And then lastly, uh, we have two events that coincide with one another on November 19th, um, starting at 6, 6 p.m. right here at Tally Student Center. We are going to be hosting our second of this semester of our NC State Veteran Alumni Network. Uh, so we're going to have uh, Major General Anthony Hall in attendance as an NC State alum, um, and we're also going to have uh, Jeffrey Wright and Kelly Wright, his spouse. Uh, so Jeffrey Wright just recently completed a total gift of $2.15 million to military and veteran services. Oh, wow. So we will now be, as of Veterans Day in a couple more weeks, we'll be known as Jeffrey Wright Military and Veteran Services. So we're super excited about the opportunity that his generosity is going to be able to uh, afford us in pursuit of better serving our students here at NC State. And then on the 20th, the following day, I know a lot, I apologize, <laughs> no, it's a uh, Military Appreciation Day game. So that's going to be on Saturday, uh, November 20th. That's against Syracuse University. Um, time hasn't yet been established, but that also is an opportunity for us to honor our our military and veteran students and, and alums. So we're super excited about that game. And that's an annual event as well. So thank you so much. That's all yeah. the questions that I have for you today. It's been a pleasure interviewing you. Music in this episode has been Rush by Marcos Dani, licensed under the Free Music Archive. Thank you for listening to today's special episode. In celebration of 30 years of creating home at the Witherspoon Building through space and time, the African American Culture Center is teaming up with other departments in the Witherspoon Building, including student media and military and veteran affairs to host the Harambe Block Party. This block party will be on October 29th from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Witherspoon Building. We hope you can come out and celebrate with us. This has been Janini Kekwa for WKNC Radio. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
You can listen to more episodes at wknc.org slash podcast. And you can also tune in every Sunday at 6 p.m. to hear new episodes from Eye on the Triangle.